go home and eat buttered noodles. Shocking the children in the ice cream store. Go see the odd couple at a community theater. Why are they slicing our home video footage into the show? Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's a notorious virgin. I'm Kelly Anakin. <laughs> and I'm Amy Schneider. What? <laughs> that's right. In a surprising development. Not to me. <laughs> well, no, not to you, but perhaps to many of our listeners, uh, th- those of us at least who uh, don't visit my personal Facebook page. Which is like most people. Yeah, I would imagine it's most of most you, yes. Most people are not there. Yeah, I, I'm, I hope so, in fact. Um, <laughs> but yes, I am a trans woman that goes by Amy now. Yeah, and, that's uh, great. Yeah. Um, Condragulation. <laughs> that's right. I mean, you know, while drag is a whole different thing, I, I, I yes, I. <laughs> you know what, Amy? There's not that much trans humor because, typically speaking, your people don't have a lot to laugh at. <laughs> that's. <laughs> even all the jokes that Edwin and Angry Inch, which is arguably not even about a trans, because she did not choose this life. It's all like gallows humor. Yeah, rather. So um, <laughs> I will be doing my part to address that problem the, as best I can. The dearth of humor in the trans <laughs> <right>. community. <laughs> It's not even the dearth of humor within the trans community. No. It's about the dearth of humor about the trans community. Yeah. So I guess, you know, everybody uh, strap on your trigger warnings. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's if you're a trans man. If you're a trans woman, you tuck in your trigger warnings. Oh, that's a really good point. Ah, see? There yeah, we go. That, that wasn't Humor. bad. That was yeah, good. That right. was a good one, Amy. Yeah, thank you. And the nice thing is if I call you Tom, we can just edit that out. <laughs> that's true. They don't have to know. That's right. That I have messed it up. Who's going to know? You. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean me, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't even really... I only have trouble if I try to like talk about like your family. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Somehow it just like short circuits. But if I'm just talking about you like now, right? currently mm-hmm. living your fabulous woman's life in California, <laughs> yeah. that's very simple. Well, I'm right here in my cute sandals. So, you are you know. here in your cute sandals <laughs> and your porcupine like toenails. Yeah. Well, I slept through my pedicure appointment. I don't know what to tell you. <sighs> How lovely to be a woman. <laughs> so that announcement out of the way. Yes. Speaking of... Other women. <laughs> sure. This is episode three of Wolf Hall, Anna Regina. <laughs> <laughs> Regina. Like, is this why is this why everybody says cunt in Great Britain? <laughs> because Regina is their queen. <laughs> or twat. <laughs> I wonder if we still have any listeners in the UK. <laughs> Just because we make fun of them? I, we make fun of a lot of things. We do, but mainly the British. Spit <laughs> <laughs> spot. <laughs> All right, so it's 1531. The crawl tells us that Henry has finally stepped to the Pope. Mm-hmm. He's introduced a bill in Parliament that says he's the supreme head of the church. 
and he is in charge then and can annul his marriage to Catherine and marry Anne Boleyn. Right. As has long been his heart's desire, presumably the side effect being that he will get all the monies, <laughs> the pretzel monies That's that right. have been being funneled into the church from the monasteries who are skimming presumably a lot off the top. One would hope. Yeah. Well, we saw Cardinal Wolsey. We were like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, butcher's boy. Slow down. Uh, everybody is not on board with this. No. Specifically Thomas More. He's very much off board. Very much off board. He's like, hell nah. Yeah. And he is cranky. And we cut to Thomas More speaking Latin. And it makes me really wish that we knew what vernacular Latin like actually sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I wrote that rather than explaining also what's going on in this <laughs> right. scene. A more important element. <laughs> well, he's he's putting a guy who we'll later learn is Bainham, mm-hmm. a lawyer named Bainham. He's the guy that was drunk on the word of he God. He was the guy who was, boy, and is he ever still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he is now being tortured mm-hmm. with some implements of torture yep. while Thomas More Latins at him. <laughs> yeah. So kind of insult to injury. Right, for real. Cause it's like, it, could you just torture me? And stop showing off. Well, but he, you know, he's, I think he's especially using Latin to be like, hey, remember how God was in English? God's not in English. <laughs> yeah. God's only in Latin. That's right. That's right. God only speaks a language that was not spoken where he lived. <laughs> what language do you think God speaks? Uh, Finnish. Oh, really? I think Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just look how many Catholics there are. Yeah, who no, speak that's, Spanish. That's true. It would be the most convenient like the language sh- in terms of sheer numbers. Yeah. If we're talking about like a Western patriarchal God, right? And also, we're assuming that he doesn't talk to heretics. Oh, yeah. Like Episcopalians or whatever. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Screw those people. Yes. I don't care how progressive you are. <laughs> So we're just talking about the Catholic God, right? The right. real God? Yeah, the real God. Yeah, not these yeah. fake-ass gods <laughs> out here in these streets. <laughs> Sectarian violence erupted today after a popular <laughs> podcast. Popular is really... That's, that's stretching it. I just wanted to say sectarian violence, apparently. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. You didn't have to say popular. <laughs> sectarian violence usually isn't. <laughs> no, that's true. People are against it. And yet it keeps happening. Well, that's because they're also, again, sects. <laughs> and sex. Right. Uh-huh. Sects are frequently against sex. <laughs> this is in the sequel to My Fair Lady. <laughs> My Fair Lady 2, The Sexting. <laughs> There's also a song about sextants. <laughs> and sextants. A no, sextant I- with a sextant. <laughs> like, I can take this ordinary street girl and make her a fluent sextra. <laughs> I think they actually made that. I think that was that John Cho, Amy Pond show. <laughs> Selfie? Okay. I think it was called Selfie. That sounds plausible. Sure. Why can't the English teach their children to sex? <laughs> <laughs> His name is Rex Sexton. <laughs> In a hilarious nod to Rex Harrison. <laughs> okay. We began casting on Monday. <laughs> Headshots and resumes to us by 11.59 tonight, please. That's right. Anyway. Uh, so we see a portrait of a lady being killed. She has a giant head. Yes, she is the patron saint of foreheads, she apparently. She looks very upsetting to me. She <laughs> yeah. looks like an alien 
Or like you hear about those kids with like water on the brain. Yeah. No, it's very like, how did you let this happen, yeah. painter? Well, it's like, did you fall asleep while you were painting? <laughs> It's like he meant to paint a hat on her and he just forgot. <laughs> well, she doesn't even have any bangs. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, lady. Get it together. For real. Uh, in any case, the point is that uh, Cromwell is there to see uh, Catherine and Princess Mary. Princess Mary is uh, is an interesting person. Well, it's like she's sickly, but does she have a stutter or something? Right. Or... She's got or like almost she does a not twitch. have a giant forehead, so she's got that going right. for her. So already we're happy to she's see her. She's a pretty enough kid. Yeah, she is. Young woman. Yeah. Well, in the book, it's implied that she's like four feet tall or something, but she seems like a pretty ordinary height. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, they call her like the dwarf Mary, don't they? Yeah. In the book, yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, th- nobody liked her. Yeah, nobody liked her. I mean, that, that we're was, talking about her in the book. I mean, nobody all, likes her here. Well, right. But yeah, Cromwell's nice to her, but it's like it's that special Cromwellian. <laughs> like I, I can't even with you. So I'm gonna be real nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's um, yeah. Well, I just and she's like it's she seems like a tough person to be nice to. Well, she and been, look, her mom. Oh yeah, her mom's a real piece of work as right. far as moms go. <laughs> yeah, she is, but she's just like, oh no, the Pope is the head of the church everywhere, and it's like, God, you would have been so unpopular if you'd had to go to school. She's Pope explaining. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, her mom tells Mary to stand up, even though she's about to fall over, and then Cromwell just look goes and grabs a stool and slams well, it down. Well, he tried. He's like, she can sit down like it is not gonna change the fact that i am here to fuck you Mm -hmm. like i can fuck you whether she's standing or sitting right what she proceeds to do well she says that the king has left catherine says that the king has left without saying goodbye and he's never done that before and thomas goes well i think he's gonna go hunting and uh and princess mary is like with that woman with that person <laughs> oh well that's interesting because cromwell is oh, such a yeah. person oh, yeah. according to the duke of norfolk that's a good point so maybe princess mary and the duke of norfolk have a secret language <laughs> they don't yeah, right. there's literally no reason that that would happen <laughs> um yeah and, and the so king, well the king's moving them to some other palace right to be like oh i don't like you no mo. Yeah, and Catherine's like, she knew this was coming, but she didn't expect the king to send a man like you to tell me. And Cromwell's like, well, he did. Yeah. Here I am. Not sure what to do about that. Uncle Mo, while you eat. <laughs> <laughs> We're twins. <laughs> so then we get to Cromwell in bed with Johanna. So that's still happening. That it is. And. And he wants to give her a present and wants to know what she wants. And it's like, Cromwell, you are like not great at being a boyfriend. Okay. Like just get her a present. (laughs) So Johanna, rather than being like, I want a present is like, um, so about this bill that you've (laughs) written, you mean the fuck the Pope bill? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The very one. Uh, she is very concerned about this and says that there's a woman named Elizabeth Barton. Uh, the holy maid mm-hmm. who lives somewhere that I thought was Barton, but it's not <laughs> because Barton is her name. <laughs> right. 
anyway, she is making predictions such as if the king marries Anne Boleyn, he won't reign for a year, mm-hmm. which is hilarious to Cromwell, who does not believe in superstitions. And it is hilarious to us, for we have the benefit of hindsight. <laughs> So there's also apparently this star and Cromwell corrects her that it is a comet. And Johanna says that the last time it was around, the cattle died, the crops failed, uh, cats and dogs living <laughs> together, mass hysteria. And Cromwell's like, I, just tell me what kind of present you want. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He says, if I'm sure if that happens, we can reverse our policy. He's so great. Yeah, he is. Why am I not Thomas Cromwell? <laughs> Uh, well, wait till you read the third book. (laughs) (laughs) If it ever comes out. I know. Oh my god. Hey. Oh, I was gonna, because I keep forgetting George R.R. Martin isn't British. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, understandable. At any rate. Yeah. Uh, so Cromwell's like, I am not a superstitious git. This is not problems for me. Mm -hmm. Then she says that his friend, the lawyer Bainham, previously seen being drunk on the word of God (laughs) and also being tortured by (laughs) Thomas More has been arrested, but we already knew that. Mm -hmm. And she wants to know what will happen if he names names. And Cromwell just goes, I'm pretty sure Thomas More already knows my name because Utopia is like Cheers. (laughs) Where Thomas More knows your name and you're never glad you came. (laughs) You want to be where food is bad. And your host is mad. <laughs> you want to go where Thomas More knows your name. Yeah. I did actually go back and reread the book. Wow, already? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've read it a few times, so yeah. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah, I also haven't been watching much TV lately. I've I just haven't been, either. Yeah, yeah, ever since we stopped living together, like, neither <laughs> one of us watches very much TV. I know, it's Which, weird. like, makes me, like, sad in retrospect. Like, I'm not even, like, sad that we watched so much TV. Yeah, but I mean, I'm also love doing it. I know, but I was just like, what? What? Yeah. Um, I guess we were just out of things to talk about, Ben. I think that was a big part of it, yeah. Uh, Luckily, we've all grown and changed, <laughs> and now we talk all the time. Sure, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and anyway, I was going to say, well, A, there's a lot of making fun of Thomas More's clothes, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, one little, like, it's surprising how much they, like, re- like there's much more rearranging of the narrative than I remembered. Even mm-hmm. It's like, it's all real minor stuff, but it just is interesting. And one thing is... In the show, there's, like, a moment when Thomas and Joanna, like, actually hook up for the first time. Mm-hmm. But in the book, it's just, at one point, there's that line about, why does God test us? I don't think we'll pass. And then, chapters later, they've been boning for a while. Oh, wow. And there's, yeah. Like, yeah. Just like in real life. <laughs> That's right. You, like, see some people getting ice cream, and you're like, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we've been boning, like, forever. <laughs> Verbatim, no. they say this. <laughs> Shocking the children in the ice cream store, but what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, man. I really upset a pregnant lady the other day. <laughs> I did. I was driving around trying to park before going to see a movie and I was doing bits in the car with my friend Dom. You know how I like to do bits? Sure, yeah. So we're doing a whole bit about Kesha and I was doing an impression of what I assume her terrible agent is like. He's like, well, she was raped. Why aren't we talking about the rape? And like, I said that so loud and this pregnant woman was just walking with her like decaf Starbucks. It just gave me the dirtiest look. And I'm like, oh, yeah. your fetus is fine. 
They can't understand English. And if it's a boy, it won't believe that rape exists. If your fetus does understand English, that's horrifying. <laughs> anyway, that yeah. was a fun day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we get to for see- me, not so much for that pregnant lady. <laughs> no, not so much. Oh, she got to bitch about it to all her friends later. Oh, she sure did. Yeah. Oh, I bet she went on a pregnancy blog. <laughs> I bet she went on a message board and talked about her DH. <laughs> um, yeah. So we get a little hot parliament action now. <gasps> Ooh, sexy. <laughs> yeah. So some guy announces which side of the bill like goes to which side of the room, and people all shuffle around. Boy, voting used to be dumb. Wait a minute. It's still dumb. Yeah. As the guy at the Grand Lake Theater says, only hand-counted paper ballots can prevent fraud. Yes, because as you'll see, this is not the most airtight system, because as they're all about to be settled in, Henry just sort of sits up straighter and looks at one of them, and that guy's like, eee, and he switches back over to the other side, and then, like, almost everybody does. And all the... This is some great background acting yes. because, like, all the dudes who don't are like, guys, <laughs> we discussed this. <laughs> we were like, no ands allowed. <laughs> yep, uh, but the eyes have it and they all start cheering and applauding. Uh, so as they're shuffling out, Cromwell goes and hangs with gardner and henry gardner still quite ugly yes this has not changed no it hasn't nor is he dressing uh in a particularly flattering way but what are you gonna do uh dress in a particularly flattering way (laughs) he's gotta be rich enough to do it yeah although he is a bishop at this point i don't know uh it doesn't listen this whole time all i've been able to think about is the bishop of uh both on wells (laughs) yeah from Blackadder. Right. Because I always thought it was the Bishop of Barton Wells. Uh, right, yeah. Because... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I can you see... You know, yeah. English in the UK makes no sense to me. <laughs> I understand. Take that, England. Um, I think they can handle it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Henry says that he knows that Stephen Gardner opposes the bill, but that's all right. He wants a man that's not afraid of controversy. And that he and Cromwell are going to have to stop fighting and pull together. They have done that a lot. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. Also, they can pull together and fight. <laughs> right. Go see the odd couple at a community theater and then come back and talk to me. Uh, so Henry heads out. Gardner says that uh, he's not going to be – it's not going to be so easy to pass this bill in the House of Lords. Uh, then uh, there's this archbishop who's also there. So Cromwell asks him about the holy maid, and he's like, uh, she's a real holy maid. Like, you don't even get it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> then we cut to Richard Cromwell giving a bag to Thomas Cromwell, and uh, Cromwell asks Richard how Antwerp was. He's like, Antwerpy. <laughs> and Cromwell pulls a rosary out of his bag, and Richard says, for show, in case I got stopped. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? That wouldn't stop anybody. I, well, I mean, at least they'd be like, oh, he's a real Catholic. He's got this rosary. Like, meet Madonna. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, we were so mad at my house that Madonna would wear rosaries as necklaces. We were like, they are not necklaces i'm okay I'm, yeah. they're not did you know rosaries aren't necklaces Tom? I, <laughs> amy <laughs> i did know that it's uh it's actually not that simple i looked it up once but. <laughs> well that's a whole other podcast <laughs> right <laughs> mostly i was just trying to be a jerk to you okay uh, i know i appreciate it you're welcome thanks so cromwell says that if thomas more bothered with richard he would beat him to death and i'm like 
you sound very serious. <laughs> yeah. And what Richard has brought back is a letter from Tyndale that was sewn into the seam of a coat. Mm-hmm. And Cromwell reads it and Richard's like, what did it say? And he's like, you didn't read it? And Richard was like, dude, I don't want to know this <laughs> stuff. Like, it's funny too because Cromwell used to be in the position that Richard mm-hmm. is now in. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, ah, la 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 la, <laughs> tin what? <laughs> tin Dale. Heresy. <laughs> Gnostic, baby, Gnostic. Gnostic. Gospel's Gnostic. Okay, look, anyway. Right. Y- Look, you get the idea. It's not my fault they didn't write that song about the English Reformation in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible 52s. So apparently Tyndale probably not going to come back to England because A, Thomas More wants to kill him. Right. And B, uh, Cromwell does not understand this, but Tyndale refuses to cozy up to the king and be like, hey, this divorce, A-OK by old Tyndale. This sounds great. The vernacular English god is on your side. And Cromwell's just like, why is he being such a dum-dum? Like, right. this would be, like, so simple. And, like, everybody, like, a lot of lives would be saved. Yeah, yeah. If he would, you know, start cozying up to the king. But he won't do it. No. And he says that Tyndale and Thomas More deserve each other. These mules who pose as men. Mm-hmm. And I am like, ah, oh, Hillary Mantel. <laughs> Two burger prizes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so Cromwell watches Anne doing a little archery, arching it up. And uh, also flashes back. To remind us all that some of the idle courtiers standing around are also the people who were in that play about the cardinal going to hell. And this is the weirdest thing because it took me longer to write that out than it did for it to happen. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm like, oh, I have to like go and explain all the context. So a picture is literally worth a thousand words, people. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to Anne getting angry and throwing her bow on the ground. <laughs> I don't recall being Anne Boleyn, but that is so what I would have done. Yeah. It was uncanny. It really... We both were like, oh, wow, hey, it's Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they slicing our home video footage into the show? <laughs> How did they get my spaghetti video? Anyway, yeah. listen, I'm throwing way less things these days, so you're all welcome. Right. Especially you, Amy. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Believe me, I thank you. I know, but you wouldn't even be around no, I know. when I throw things now. I know. I could do it for old time's sake. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, while people try to calm Aunt down, Mary walks up to Cromwell and says that uh, Anne is selling herself by the inch. Okay, so I didn't say this in thing, and I should have, but she says that Anne has been like this since the nursery, which is also super me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the new name of my autobiography now that I can't have it be Alcoholic Evita. <laughs> Although it still could be Alcoholic Evita. Yeah. I'm still an alcoholic. That's right. Anyway, uh, but it could also be Asshole from birth <laughs> the kelly anakin story <laughs> um anyway if any publishers would like to get in touch please 
follow me on Instagram. I'm at Kelly Anakin. That's how you find new authors, right? Just listen to podcasts at random yeah. until one of them pitches you. Yeah. <laughs> this is how I understand fame works. Sure. Particularly if you believe anything that you saw in the film The Big Sick. <laughs> Which I haven't, so I'll just l- let Kelly's contempt speak well, for both Well, look, of us. okay, you know how in the L.A. complex we were so angry about how they portrayed stand-up comedy? Yeah. This is even worse, and half the people who worked on this movie are actual stand-up comedians. Mm. But it was like, all the stand-up comedians were always on the same show, but it was all the same people at the same club. And I was like, this isn't... No. <laughs> yeah. No, I find if you put off watching things, you'll eventually find somebody that tells you that they sucked and you don't mm-hmm. have to watch them. Like, I was just hanging out with some people the other day who were complaining about season two of Master of None, and I was like, well, great, I can cross that off my list. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um, yes, and Mary also confirms that Anne still hasn't boned the king because A, Anne would tell her out of spite and uh, B, she would also know if Anne ever got pregnant as she is the one that uh, alters all of her clothing. Uh, and there's, she's, she's so great. Like there's this like really like suppressed like craziness in her that's like, I don't know. And it comes through a little bit more in the book just that she's like so desperate and miserable in her situation because everybody knows that, you know, she, the, she's the king's secondhand goods. Yeah. And she's in the discard pile. Right. And she has to spend her entire life in the presence of her sister who hates her. And is now going to marry the king yes. who discarded her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, once again, so happy that I don't have a sister. Yeah. So Cromwell says that he wants a post in the jewel house. And uh, Mary says that and uh made Thomas Wyatt a poet and Harry Norris mad or some such. I'm sure she'll have some idea what to make of you. It's fantastic. Yes. Anne is walking with Cromwell in a fantastic outfit. She's yes. got this like really cool like golden snood. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean it's her arching and tantrum throwing outfit, so <laughs> you know, it's pretty great. Right. So She's telling Cromwell that she went to some church and they were preaching about Jezebel. And she's like, uh, in case you're stupid, I'm the Jezebel. And he's like, yeah, I pretty much like, I, I, I figured like I'm, together. I'm brokering this whole thing. I know who's a Jezebel. So he then broaches the subject of Bainham and he's like, oh, could you spring my friend? He is cool. Mm-hmm. And I would like for him to not die. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Oh, she says, my maidenhead for your lawyer. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't. God. Yeah. But she says that she'll, you know, he'll recant and she'll release him. And she, and he says, oh, what if he doesn't recant? And she's like, why would he not? Right. And she says, people should say whatever will keep them alive. And she looks at Cromwell and says, you would. And we're all like, yeah, doy. Right. But he has a gift for Jane Seymour, uh, who he refers to as the little girl who cries all the time. <laughs> yes. It would be worth noting that we have not seen Jane Seymour crying very much. Right. But anyway, it turns out that there's a big scandal <laughs> yeah. at the titular Wolf Hall. Indeed. Because Jane Seymour's dad has been boning down with his son Edward's wife like – for years. Did it say every other week or twice a week? It was it was every week for two years. Okay. And then the book they go on to specify that they've all been trying to calculate uh, on the theory that they probably ease off during Lent. <laughs> I mean, don't we all? <laughs> so 
anyway, um, I wrote irony in all caps. Oh, because of those sinners down at Wolf Hall. Right, right. So the gift is a book of needlework patterns and, you know, Anne Boleyn is like teasing him for, you know, mm-hmm. being possibly sweet on Jane Seymour. Right. And it is very unclear through this entire episode what Cromwell's deal is in Ray Jane Seymour. Yeah, completely unclear in the book too. And, and down the road, there's like, there's a little moment of him like, cause that's all, there's always that rumor going around. And like a couple years later, he's like, was I into her? I can't remember. Like, it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I mean, that happens to people. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's happened to me. I'm like, man, I was like, was I into blah, blah, blah? Or somebody like, oh, right. remember when you got a crush on so-and-so? I was like, ugh, for real? <laughs> yeah. This me? <laughs> the one sitting here. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that the whole thing is titled Wolf Hall, which is just sort of... It is, and I keep trying to understand the significance of it. And I've sort of come to the conclusion that it's just like, come on, Wolf Hall, that's badass. And like, it just, you know, it is, I mean, good. It, it is a, it is a badass, and I mean, it is a badass move on Hillary Mantel's part in that, yeah. like, I mean, well, they go to Wolf Hall, though. Right. At they the do. end of Wolf yeah, Hall. Yeah, it's, it's the that last, that makes more it's sense. It's the last, the last words of the book yeah. are Wolf Hall. So yeah. that, okay, cool. Right. That's neat. Yeah. And, you know, bringing up the bodies, uh, right. that's about, you know, bringing them up. <laughs> Finding them. Well, it's a specifically a thing in treason trials. Oh, my God. Why do you always talk about the law? Because when you're charged with treason, you're already legally dead. <laughs> so when they call you to the court, they would say, bring up the bodies. Whoa. Yeah. That's dark. Yeah. Remember when we were at that bar that time and we were talking to that woman and she was like, wow, you guys are dark. <laughs> And then we made fun of her later. And we were like, go home and eat buttered noodles. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. I don't know that that needs to be on the podcast, but no, I think not. about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, it's your turn. <laughs> Moore arrives in Cromwell's office to tell him that Bainham has been set free. And Cromwell says he had been put to the rack. And Moore says, oh, yeah, I'd torture the shit out of him if it would save his soul. Who will save your souls when it comes to the tortures now? It's Thomas More. In Thomas More's viewpoint, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, and Moore also says that he thinks that... Uh, well, he says that, you know, he's opening up a breach in Christendom and... Cromwell says that the king is not an infidel and neither is he, but Cromwell, or more doubts it and says that he thinks his soul is for purchase. Cromwell asks if he, that is a threat, if he is threatening him, and Moore goes, mm, yes, yes I am. Which is, like, of course all the people who threaten Cromwell in this are fools and wrong, but this one at least is, he's upfront that he's threatening him and he does have like a powerful position, so. Cromwell looks at Johanna doing her needlework and he comes over and gets a little fresh and says that she still hasn't asked for her present. And Johanna says her mother knows about them and she thinks that they need to end their jiggery pokery. Yeah. And she says, you know, she'd be all about it if her husband was dead. But even then they couldn't get married because of the law. I know. It's like there's downsides to shacking up with your wife's sister. (laughs) Once again, very glad I don't have a sister for you to shack up with. She says that if he wants to marry, Mercy has a list of like available women, but then she's like, Oh, you probably like have your own list of people that we have never heard of. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's like, I fucking do. Yeah. 
so she stands up and walks away and Cromwell calls after her, but he calls her fucking straight up Liz. Yeah. And she stops and just like looks at him. Yeah. And he's like, oh. Yeah. And then Richard Cromwell comes in. He's like, hey, there's this guy to see you. And, uh, and it's bad. And uh, Cromwell's like, it cannot be worse than what just happened. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is a moment. Yeah. So the guy that's there is Francis Bryan, who says that uh, Harry Percy's wife wants a divorce, or no, that uh, Harry Percy said that they are not married because he's really married to Anne Boleyn. Uh, and as this story is wrapping up, we hear Norfolk shouting from the next room. Uh, so they go in, all the Boleyns are gathered, and uh, they're not happy. They're in high dudgeon. Yes. Like, it is comical. Yes. Jane Rochford chimes in to say, we swept up all the blo- broken glass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, they all discuss it and, you know, uh, Anne says that he talked of love, nothing more. And Mary says, my sister is a notorious virgin. Um, and yeah, and they all bicker with each other and George and it's literally like arrested development. <laughs> you know, uh, Tudor house. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, and Cromwell's like, uh, if the Pope can't stop you from being married, and I don't think he can, I don't think Harry Percy will be a problem. Which is like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Cromwell, <laughs> yes. slam dunk. <laughs> so then Cromwell is at a tavern slash whorehouse uh, <laughs> looking for Harry Percy. He is there and super drunk. And Cromwell shuts the shutter to the room where there's all these gawkers gawking. Yeah. And, and then there's one servant in there and Cromwell says, you, out. And I'm just like, man, I hope someday once in my life I get to say, you, out. I hope so too. Yeah. Anyway. So he has another flashback of Harry Percy ousting Wolsey. Mm-hmm. And Harry Percy is wasted and he's, you know, telling Cromwell that he figured he'd show up. But Harry Percy thinks that Cromwell's wasting his time because he and Anne were betrothed and also they boned down. Yes. Cromwell sits down and is like, listen up. I'm going to call in all your debts at once and the king is going to strip you of your title. And Harry Percy's like, the king respects ancient titles. And I'm like, you mean like the Pope? (laughs) Anyway, Cromwell gives him the like the literal business yeah. he's like listen the world does not run from where you think it is so it's run in lisbon and florence and antwerp all the financial centers of the world mm-hmm. and you know he and his banker friends will ruin his life and then he will sit sit at home in his homespun <laughs> He'll bring home a rabbit to his lawful wife, Anne Boleyn, who will strip and joint. And the look on Harry Percy's oh my face is like <laughs> confuzzled horror. Like, and you've got to really give it to, oh shoot, what is that guy's name? Uh, Lloyd. Harry Lloyd, I think is his name. Okay. The guy who played Viserys in. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But his face just contorts and he like, <laughs> he has just so not thought about anything <laughs> apart from the fact that he wanted to piss his wife off <laughs> by saying that he was really married to Anne Boleyn yeah. and then Cromwell gets up you know drops the mic he goes and opens the shutter and says yes you can all peer in again <laughs> and he fucking leaves and he's the best yes uh, so we see Anne looking smugly out a window and uh, the king and the Duke of Norfolk are kind of wandering around down there 
Uh, Cromwell comes in and looks at her and smiles, and then he uh, walks up to her and touches her chin and uh, traces a finger down her chest and over her breast. Which is ironic, since he says that she doesn't have any. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, they bound it all up. You know, it's that Tudor thing. Um, you mean a miracle bra? <laughs> Essentially, yeah. I thought those had straps. It's anyway. a miracle corset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, of course, this was all just him imagining it. Um, yeah, I remember, though, the first time I saw this, I was like, dude! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, dude! <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> no, bingo! <laughs> <clears throat> yes, and uh, Thomas More is down there in the yard resigning from his post. And after all they've done to try to force him out, he decides he has to resign over this bill, which is uh, ridiculous. Like, that's the thing. Like, Thomas More just effectively threatened Cromwell and then w- resigned from his position of power. It's which like, is really stupid. Yeah. Come on, dude. Well, uh, I mean, I think there are many theses in this work of art. And <laughs> definitely one of them is uh, Thomas More was a big, fat idiot. <laughs> Cromwell rules. More rules. So Cromwell recommends that he be repla- more be replaced by Audley, who he thinks understands him. And she says that she was thinking she'd make him keeper of the jewel house. Uh, they see more officially resigning, and they both realize that they want to walk down and check this out. And they're both... This is one one of the more happiest like expressions on that Cromwell's face mm-hmm. ever has is seeing more resign. And Anne is also quite thrilled. So, uh, yeah, and so they walk down and, and. Well, they hold hands going down. Right. I mean, I don't, it's a nice moment for both of them if because they're like, hey, we did it. Yeah. So Cromwell approaches Moore as the king's posse leaves and he asks Moore what they'll do, what he will do now. And Moore says that he will write and pray. And Cromwell gives him this advice. Write only a little and pray a lot. <laughs> and Moore is like, are you threatening me now? And Cromwell is like, I think it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> the king is drunk. So drunk. So he's, Problematically drunk. Yeah. So he's staggering along being held up by one of his people. It might be Norris, um, who is uh, smaller than him and clearly laboring as they walk along to hold him up. Uh, but they're all going to go to Calais to visit the King of France to get the marriage set up. Uh, they stop in front of Cromwell's favorite tapestry. Uh, and Cromwell, by this point, has taken over the Henry carrying job. Uh, and they talk about the girl Cromwell likes. And Henry starts talking about how uh, horny he is. But he And he's been trying other women to take the edge off, but he couldn't perform uh, because somebody's been sapping and purifying his precious bodily fluids. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that's going on. He just says about how great Anne is and how it's all going to be fine once he can fuck Anne. Uh, and he also decides that he's, he's decided that he will make Cromwell master of the jewel house. I love this thread because, yeah. like, you know, basically Mary Boleyn... You know, he told Mary Boleyn that he wants a position, and was it she who suggested Keeper of the Jewel House, or was it him? I'm not sure. Anyway, but it's yeah, just yeah. like, nobody ever discusses it. It's just right. like, you know, they had to have discussed it, and mm-hmm. then everybody's like, this was my idea. Yeah, yeah. And then we see the king and his entourage. Uh, the king is sobered up, by the way. Oh, right. 
encountering the holy maid of Barton. Well, Elizabeth Barton, the holy maid. Right. Uh, and it does not go well at all. No. It goes very, very poorly. Like, the Duke yeah. of Norfolk is trying to, like, rip her head off. <laughs> She's saying all these horrible things are going to happen to yeah. all of them. Well, she says that he, the king won't reign seven months. And he's like, couldn't you at least round it up? Well, like, it's super fun at first. <laughs> yeah, They're yeah. all just making fun of this chick. Yeah, but then she calls then she calls Anne a heretic. And then she says that she can see Henry's mother. And Henry's like, oh, shit, my mom. And, like, it's like uh-huh. now he's thinking seriously. And that's when Norfolk is like, all right. Fuck off, everyone. And uh, The Holy Maid is played by the same actress who plays Esme in Peaky Blinders. Indeed. So if you are a fan of our other podcast, Family Meeting, That's right. a Peaky Blinders podcast, mm-hmm. she is in it. <laughs> That's right. Cromwell then goes – so The Holy Maid kind of went off into the church. So Cromwell chases after her and is like, oh, you know, uh, my old mentor, Molsey, I'd like to hear about him. And she, she's – you know, I could make a sizable donation – and she says that she'll have to talk to Father Bocking. And Cromwell is like, thank you for helping me in my investigation, you idiots. <laughs> so then we're in Calais, England's last foothold in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, since it is called France, England, perhaps <laughs> you shouldn't be there. <laughs> uh, a dude shows Cromwell a plate of food and Cromwell is like, hey. <laughs> Everybody's dancing and Cromwell and Rafe are standing around looking bored as Anne chats up some dude who is the king of France. Yes. And is totally negging Henry. Mm-hmm. And he is dancing with some other woman and he is pissed. Oh, yeah. He's it's so a, angry. It's so fun watching him do this dance move and just like staring at her the whole time. And like there's like these claps and you have to pick the woman up sometimes. Oh, man. So Cromwell goes over to Norfolk and is like, uh, hey – Get your niece away from there. She's done enough, quote unquote, diplomacy. So he goes and gets her and Anne is super mad. So she starts dancing with Norfolk who's throwing her around. And part of this dance is miming like you are slapping the woman's face. Right. It is real weird. Yeah. Uh, So fun times in Tudor England. (laughs) Cromwell's playing chess with Jane Seymour's brother. Who's also Jimmy Kent. That's right. Who we spend an inordinate amount of time talking about. (laughs) Yes. Uh, he says, he says that his sister's nuts or whatever, and Cromwell asks if Jane has made a match, and, uh, Jimmy Kent is like, why do you ask? Uh, but then, Mary rushes in and says that Anne wants a Bible, uh, and despite the fact that Thomas Cromwell has the Bible memorized, she needs it to swear on. (laughs) So, uh... Yeah, so she runs off to get it, and then Jimmy Kent looks at Cromwell and says, how did you do that? Is he talking about the chess game or the, I you know, think, I the think, king and Anne? I think Cromwell might have moved a piece while his back was turned. Ah, okay. I think is what happened. Cromwell, that's not cool. No, I agree. Like, I get it, but don't do it. Yeah. So outside, Mary Bullen catches Cromwell walking around in the dark, and Mary says that Anne is naked in the king's arms, naked as the day she was born, Mm -hmm. and the king has sworn on the Bible to marry her and make her the queen, and... You know, she said something about, oh, you know, now he only has to do the deed. And Cromwell's like, do not freak me out. And she's like, calm down. I have coached her on what happens if she, if he gets shy. Yeah. And, uh, then Mary puts the moves on Cromwell and Cromwell's like, ah! but then they yeah. kiss. But then this guy walks up and Cromwell pulls a knife <laughs> on him. And Mary Bullen's like, you almost killed William Stafford. <laughs> so what ha- happened was, <laughs> 
Mary Boland was like, hey, William Stafford, I would like to celebrate making my sister the queen. Why don't you meet me? And then we'll go bone down. He was like, I. Then he didn't show up at the appointed time. So Thomas Cromwell was there. And Mary Boland was like, whatever. Let's go. I want to have sex. And then like Cromwell's leaving. She's like, no, like hang out. And he's like, why? Yeah. I don't want to. It's just, I love her just... You don't know what it's like. You think you fixed something with a man. Like, she's just so, like, matter of fact mm-hmm. about it. No, you think you fixed something with a man and yeah. then it doesn't turn up. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, I know. Yeah, no, and really the, the moment, like, when they about kissed, like, just the staging, just the way that she's, like, leaning into him, it was, there's some good tense moments there. Oh, tensity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Whitehall, Whitehall Palace, 1533. Uh, the king is marrying Anne. Uh, you know, pretty boring. George Boleyn. It's like such a small ass wedding. I'm yeah. Like, what the fuck, people? Well, you know, it's a second wedding. <laughs> For both of them, technically. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, George Boleyn says that Cromwell's been writing letters to Chester and that he hates him and that he's a dirty poor person. Uh, as the procession is walking out, Mary holds up a finger and thumb apart to indicate to Cromwell that Anne is pregnant. At which point, Cromwell grabs George Boleyn by the shoulder and says, You made a mistake in threatening me, sir. So wait, what year did they go to Calais? I think it was just, I think this was the same year. Okay. Yeah. Well, it started in 1531. Well. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. I will get to why I asked this okay. shortly. <laughs> so there's Latin happening in a church or something, and a dude is holding a book and shaking, and it's Bainham, who mm. I have a horrible time recognizing. <laughs> But he stands and he starts reading from... Well, he from, looks worse every time you see he him. He does look worse so. every time you see him. So he stands up and he's reading the Bible in English. Who is that actor? Is it the guy that played Tires? I looked him up. He didn't seem to be anybody. Well, okay, whatever. Yeah. So everybody starts losing their shit yeah. because he's reading the Bible in English and he's carted off. Cromwell then is taken to see him in a cell and he has decided to recant his recanting and be killed. Yeah. This is the choice he has made. Thomas... Cromwell is like, dude, uh, okay, well, you're dumb. Yeah. I'm going to send some dudes. If some dudes come for you, you go with the dudes. And Bainham is like, yeah, I think I'll die. Yeah. But I mean, his, you know what, though? Yeah. I have, um, I, I don't know if it's sympathy. I understand mm-hmm. his, look, if what you really believe mm-hmm. is that the way that the Catholic Church is doing things is evil and wrong and it is steering people wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, he's as committed to saving people's souls as Thomas More is. Right, right. He just thinks that the tools that exist that they've been using for years to save souls are wrong. Yeah. No, and in the book he actually does. He's being transferred from one prison to another and then all of a sudden his guards stop in this wood and they're all like, oh, stretching out, like wandering off. And it's like, boy, somebody got away here. We'd never catch them, especially if they ran that way, because we'd look this way. And if they ran that way, boy, they'd completely give us a slip. Those guys sound fun. Yeah. <laughs> I would and enjoy the, having a beverage with them. Yeah. And so they all wait around for a bit and he just stands there not trying to run away. And they're like, all right, well, we tried. Because like he says, he would just go run to London and start preaching again. Yeah. And, yeah. Cromwell arrives at Thomas More's house. Uh, his daughter is reading and translating Greek. Uh, Cromwell says that his daughter should go rather than hang out with this devil. And they both have a good laugh. Oh, and boy. And she, she doesn't, doesn't leave. No. <laughs> she hangs out with this devil. Yeah. And they have a weird and creepy relationship. They do indeed. Yeah. 
Uh, the holy maid came to visit them, but they did not receive her. Uh, and Cromwell <laughs> says that the, the Lady Exeter invited her, and he says that she is a foolish and stupid, or a, a foolish and arrogant woman. And he says she says she'll be queen. I repeat my statement. Yeah. So he wrote a letter to the Holy Maid saying, uh, "Why don't you just go pray by yourself?" <laughs> Uh, well, and part of the reason that yeah. Cromwell has gone there is to be like, how come we're not going to the coronation? I heard it was because you don't have a nice coat. <laughs> and Thomas More is like, shut up. <laughs> no, I swore a vow never to have a nice coat. <laughs> so anyway, it's a party. And is being coronated. Mm-hmm. It is very elaborate, much more elaborate than her wedding. Yes. And also Jane Seymour is back. Mm-hmm. And Anne looks at Cromwell uh, as she is kneeling down and being weirdly laid on flat on the floor <laughs> right and boy claire foy sure gets fake coronated a lot she really does and henry is looking at with her like with all this love and like he's so happy and i'm like boy you are simple simple man <laughs> he really is a cromwell's heading to her room lady rochford says that he can't come in because she's in a state of undress and Anne's like let him in so she- i don't recall being <laughs> Bolin, but that is so what i would have done so Anne's lying in bed and she's very pregnant. So that's my question. Yes. If this is happening in 1533, like, I, you know, I don't have a solid sense of time, but she's mm-hmm. so pregnant here. Right. She's like, got to be at least six months gone. Right. Well, as I recall, it more or less went in the book that like, you know, they, they boned down in Calais and pretty much right when they got back to England, got married. And then the coronation takes longer to arrange. Right. So that's, that's okay. Well, anyway, yeah. she's way pregnant and she you is. wouldn't have known at the coronation mm-hmm. because her dress was enormous. Yeah. Uh, and Anne's like, Oh, did you hear everybody cheering for me? Like everybody says that they love Catherine, but I think that they just pity her. And Jane Rochford is like, no, they love Catherine because she's the daughter of two sovereigns. They'll never love you like that. And I'm like, how can you even say this shit, bitch? I know. But she is like, she is uncut. She, she is done. She doesn't. Well, because she is married to George Boleyn and they both hate each other. And so there's like. And why is her name Rochford? Uh, I think that's George Boleyn's like courtesy title. Oh, okay. I think. Um, and there's actually like a line in the book, like, you know, if you're a widow, you can make a name for yourself. If you're a poor wife and you hate your husband, you can get all the neighbor wives to come like harass him all the time and like bang pots outside his window and stuff. <laughs> but if you're a witch wife, you have no power. You mean a rich wife? Yes. <laughs> if you're a rich wife. I'm you- not your, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. But after what you just said, I don't even want to be that anymore. <laughs> All true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And Jane Seymour tells Jane Rochford to shut up, which is weird. Yeah. Speaking of Jane Seymour, <laughs> she runs after Cromwell and thanks him for the present, which he has put in, like, she has, like, put the needlework. Well, I think she made those sleeves based on the pattern. I'm not sure. But it's the same fabric that the right. book of... Anyway, look, it doesn't go with that dress. No, it doesn't. She updates him on Wolf Hall. She says her mom's pissed off all the time. Yeah. Her brother's... She's like, I, I would like to go. Yeah. I would like to not be there anymore. And he says that she should stay with the new queen. And mm-hmm. it's just... Again, it's weird because it's like, uh, are you coming on to me? Like, <laughs> yeah. What, what's happening? Yeah. Uh, Cromwell goes and enters his house to find that tapestry he loves hanging there. And Joanna says it arrived that day as a present from the king. 
Uh, we see Bainham sitting writing in prison and holding his hand over the flame. Uh, uh, it turns out that it does actually hurt. Yeah, that hurts. And yeah. it's like, I don't know, like, I just don't know that you should practice getting burned at the stake. Like, right. I don't think like, that I any, don't think there's, a, yeah. you can't, like, either you get burned at the stake or like you don't, <laughs> you know, like there's no, you know, it's like, tr- you know, there is no try. Right. There's definitely no try with burning <laughs> at the stake. <laughs> So Anne is praying in church and there's kind of a, um, a montage here because call mm-hmm. me Risley. Hey, remember him? Yeah. He's around still. Yeah. He says that Anne is off to begin her confinement and he asks Cromwell whether, you know, the announcement should be the birth of a prince or just the birth of a child. Nobody commits to anything, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, don't write baby announcements that could be wrong. Yeah. And then Anne says goodbye to Henry and he kisses her hand and she's, you know, rowed off in a, you mm-hmm. know, in a boat that's very fancy. Yeah. To her confinement. Yeah. And that's actually, I think, if I remember correctly, that, that I checked at one point and there, there is like surviving documents where it wrote Prince and you can see that they had to cram in the SS <laughs> after the fact. Um, Cromwell asks Anne if she was happy and she says, I was always desired. Now I'm valued. Do you see? And it's like, I mean, I mean, yeah, you mean right now? Yeah. You mean at this moment? Right. When the gender of your child hasn't been decided and you haven't had any miscarriages? Yeah, Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's an important lesson for all women to learn. No one values you. (laughs) If you think you're valued, you're probably not. Yeah. Even if you're in a very progressive situation, uh, the government doesn't value you. Right. So. So there's that. Uh, but you know, we might get equal pay after I'm dead. <laughs> Dare to dream. So then Cromwell watches as Bainham is burned at the stake and Bainham is weeping and Cromwell's attitude is more like, hey, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> right. You dumb dummy. <laughs> and uh, that's it. And I think, you know, I think Cromwell's attitude about God is like a less blasphemous version of the Baroness from <laughs> Ever After uh-huh. when she says, uh, nothing is certain until you're dead. And even then, I'm sure God negotiates. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, I think Cromwell has a deep and abiding respect for and love of God. Yeah. But he, you know, he does not think God is as short-sighted as a Thomas More would have you believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's what I think Cromwell thinks about God. Good to know. Do Cromwell's dream of electric sheep? <laughs> no, no, they don't. That because would be... there is no, th- not even a flicker of an idea of what electricity is at this point. <laughs> right. So that is out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, well, All right. we'll be on to episode four on the next one. That's right. So until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out.